Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. He better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. China. It's facing the largest economic downturn in decades. Do you think it has anything to do with the persecution against the church inside of China? Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I'm coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of China where I feel I'm perfectly placed here in this country to be able to share with you news from the front lines. I can tell you, I've just went to a factory where we are doing um, underground production for um, devices that we are using. We, we, we have these like little media devices that we are using in the Zhuang speaking area. Zhuang is a minority group inside of China that um, at the moment they're considered to be largely unreached and they have no materials in their language. So we have been recording gospel teachings in their languages in the language of the Zhuang people, we have this video series um, where we have done the voiceover in the Zhuang language as well as made some materials available for them so that we can share the gospel with this unreached people group inside of China. But today, walking through those factories, I can see a visible downturn. I'm seeing visible signs of downturns throughout China's main economic engine, which is primarily in southern China, the area around the uh, Guangzhou, Shenzhen, Humen, Dongguan area of China. And today we are seeing that China is suffering the worst economic downturn in the last two decades, at least as long as I've been living in China. CNBC, which is a well-known um economic type of uh, news broadcast is reporting that of their 50 indicators that they use as a, as a, a way to tell about the strength of an economy or the lack thereof in China, the main 50 indicators that they are using to measure China is pointing downward Shanghai, the market there for the stock market, they are suffering greatly. The stock market, the Shanghai Composite, is had a huge downturn. In 2018, it was the worst stock market in the world for the year 2018. Forbes is reporting this year, 2019, uh, that the worst is yet to come for China. They've been seeing 6% growth, which is anemic for China, down from their double digits. And even that 6% is can't be independently verified. It's only going off of indicators that uh, international analysis are allowed to look at. You don't have independent 
um, uh, audits that are taking place inside of China as you would find in the West, in Western governments. Government banks in China that are state-run have been told to lend, 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 to open up the floodgates of money and allow people to take out loans. So there's this government stimulus that is taking place inside of China with hopes that they will be able to sustain the Chinese economy through this trade war with America. Um, the RMB, the, the main currency inside of China, the, the renminbi or the Chinese yuan, it has not been allowed to float freely like many other world economy currencies. It's pegged to the US dollar and it's roughly around 6.2, 6.3. Many people are predicting that this year that the US dollar is going to break that 7 RMB ceiling and possibly even go to double digits. The RMB is not allowed to be free-floating because the Chinese government does not want their currency to depreciate more than 4% in a year. But many people, experts that are looking at it, say that it may be impossible for China to keep that from happening if the trade war continues. Now, at the moment, we have seen a 90-day pause um, in the tariffs that Donald Trump, the president of the United States, has put on China. Now, I was sitting at a uh, company lunch yesterday with uh, factory owners as well as producers. And one of the producers that was working with a factory that I worked together with inside of China was coming in from Canada. So he was Canadian and he did not have good things to say about Donald Trump. He was speaking about his um, investments inside of Canada from the point of view of bringing in Chinese goods into Canada and then trying to sell them in America. What he, because America was his largest consumer base. And for him to bring in goods from China, which is what he was doing, he was producing his materials inside of China, bringing them in with his Canadian company and then selling them in the US market. But now his overhead is sky high because of the tariffs that have been imposed by uh, Donald Trump. Now, he did not have anything good to say. He felt that Donald Trump was a moron for imposing these fees, and I can understand that because he was hit directly. But I just reached out a little bit and tried to share from a, a, a less biased point of view because I'm also personally suffering from – because I do a lot of production. I run several companies inside of Asia, the Middle East, and Africa, and we do a lot of our production inside of China for the companies that we run in these different places around the world, mainly as support apparatuses for Back to Jerusalem. So I get it. I understand. I, I can see the frustration for a man that's trying to provide for his family and has several other families that are depending on their employment with his company and they're suffering because of this trade war that has been basically brought on independently by Donald Trump. Everybody seems to be against it. But here is the thing. This is, this is the, the facts as they are on the ground. The truth is China has been cheating for years. 
And the rest of the world has, in the beginning, they were guilted into allowing China to cheat. China is a poor country. China is a communist country. China is behind the bamboo curtain. We need to bring them out from this darkness. Uh, they can help with our off balance of uh, Russia, especially during the Cold War of the 1980s. Having an ally like China when you have an enemy like Russia is is very important. So there was um, these these um, olive branches that were extended to China to allow China to come into the world trade groups and to begin to um, see their people prosper from capitalism, from open markets, from um, allowing their goods to be sold in other parts of the world and allowing goods from other parts of the world to be traded inside of China. And so there were a lot of concessions given to China because China was a third world poor nation. However, now that we are in the two year 2000s, they are still carrying kind of that label as a developing country and they're still operating with very unfair trade practices as they were in the 1980s. But their financial state status is not the same as it was in the 1980s. Does that make sense at all? So when the when these trade deals were made in the 1980s and some in the 1990s, um, they they were done with China having these huge benefits and very few benefits being given to the Western world. And people felt, politicians felt, ambassadors felt, policymakers felt that by giving China these uh, benefits – the, these unfair trade balances, they would um, be able to entice China to take another step forward for, to trade markets. And so what happened was um, China benefited from those unfair trade practices just as was planned. So the unfairness of those trade agreements were planned. They were planned to bring China out of the shadows and into the world body. And eventually they joined the WTO, but they joined the World Trade Organization on unequal footing. You see, they were allowed to get away with breaking many of the rules of the WTO when other nations could not. We saw that with the, the Paris Accord and the environmental type of um, stop safes that were put in place to protect the world kind of um, emissions, to, to protect the environment of the world. The Western nations had to adhere to the rules when China did not. China being one of the biggest violators of greenhouse gases and, and um, uh, carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, uh, they did not have to abide by the same rules, which meant that <clears throat> Excuse me. Western nations were being held back from economic development and China was able to leapfrog ahead of everyone else with no um, rules at all for them to have to adhere. Now, their rules would be brought on, you know, in the 2020s. By that time, China at any time and most likely would say, you know what, we don't like these rules. 
we're just not going to abide by them. And the world would just stand dumbfounded with their finger up their butt with nothing, with, with no power, with, with no leverage, with no ability to make China adhere to those rules. So basically, China was able to um, join into that WTO. And for them, with the WTO, with the unfair trade, as well as in the Paris Accord with the unfair regulations that favored China and um, punished the Western developed nations, basically, China was able to continue to develop in the same way that they have. Now, what people confuse, this is very, very important for people like the Canadian friend that I sat down with that was so upset with this trade war that's been taking place inside of China. He was very upset. Now, again, my analysis, my opinion is one side of the coin, but it's very important for you to at least it be aware of this side of the coin, whether you agree with it or not. If you agree with my analysis or not, I'm living in China. I, I am being punished. I am suffering from this trade war. So don't think that I'm benefiting from it. Therefore, I like it. I'm just telling you that the way that the system is set up is set up for the Chinese to unfairly benefit from trade regulations that punish Western importers and exporters while benefiting the Chinese importers, exporters. And China has been gobbling up large parts of the economy because of these rules that have been put in place. So these rules were put in place to bring China out of the darkness. Now, here's the thing that is very, very important for you to understand. As China has been modernizing, many people have misconstrued, misanalyzed, they have been misinformed or they have not properly understood what is taking place in China when they travel to China. What I mean is this. They travel to a place like Shanghai. Um, we saw Paris Hilton, for instance, not too long ago. She traveled to Shanghai and she said something like, I've just seen the future. You know, China's maglev train that travels like over 300 kilometers an hour um, gets you into the city from the airport in like seven minutes. Uh, it's a bullet train. Um, when you go to their airport, when you go to many of the places in downtown Shanghai or other places, it is very easy to mistake. Like Paris Hilton, it is very easy to mistake. Modernization of China with the westernization of China. China was modernizing, but they were not westernizing. China was becoming well, more wealthy. They were becoming richer. The number of new millionaires per day has been astronomical. The number of people that have been making tons of money inside of China is has been through the roof. But China has been using this economic engine to prepare the way to persecute their own people, and to build up a military that no one would rival against, and to also purchase valuable items, products, and, and large shares of different economies so that they can begin to dictate policies around the world. They've been able to use their bully pulpit to influence the 
uh, trade policies to stay the same in places like Australia, the European Union, uh, the Middle East, Southeast Asia. They have been able to squash any criticism of their government even in the open media like Fox News and CNN. They've been able to um, manipulate the news that you can hear on uh, ABC, NBC, Fox News, CNN, BBC because they have be- they have been able to own such large shares. They've been able to manipulate different sectors of the economy that would put a crunch on a group like BBC or CNN. They've been able to shut down entire channels within their border unless these um, reporters would capitulate to the demands of the government. So what has been happening that as China has been opening up to the economy, they've been gobbling up. They've been taking advantage of the benefits that they've been given and using that money to build up a war chest that would allow them to do land grabs in the South China Sea that would allow them to take control of different segments of different governments around the world. They've also been able to become large producers for many of the items that we even see in the supercomputer that was um, found and discovered in Silicon Valley in um, California, where parts that of the supercomputer that is supposed to be um, outlawed from being sold to China was actually being uh, hacked into by China because the parts that were in the supercomputer were made in China and parts that were made in China had spying devices that were put onto them as does Apple products, as does Samsung products. These items that were being made inside of China with basically subsidized funding from the West. And the reason I say subsidized because these things were being produced inside of China, pennies on the dollar because of the unfair trade practices. And that allowed them to gobble up large shares of production for items from your cell phone to your computer, to your clothing, to your car parts around the world. And it allowed China to have listening devices and cameras that you might have on your phone to have um, uh, economic uh, or not economic to have spy devices put into your vehicle to be able to monitor where you are traveling using your GPS or your Garmin. Um, China has been able to tap into many of these items and countries that would accuse China of doing this would possibly see the wrath of China uh, punishing them economically. Nations like Norway that does not have a very big economy gave a, a Nobel Peace Prize to um, a Chinese dis- dissident that was that the Chinese scared everybody from meeting with or acknowledging. Norway dared to give and allow the Nobel Peace Prize to be given to a Chinese dissident, a, a lawyer that had been condemned by the Chinese government. And as a result, all of their goods were blocked from being sold in Norway. Their politicians were blocked from traveling to Norway. China used 
use the bully pulpit and put a lot of pain on the nation of Norway. Now, Norway has been able to survive that, but it has not been without great pain. And America finally said, you know what? We don't think it's fair that you have these trade rules in your favor anymore. What are those trade rules? What has been so unfair? What's been so unfair is that China can go into Europe. And in fact, the government has printed handbooks that has told people how they can go and buy these large companies inside of Europe that have to do with food manufacturing, computer manufacturing, um, steel manufacturing, uh, Europe, Africa, Asia, America, Canada, Australia, South Africa, Southeast Asia. China has been going in and buying up large parts of the economic sectors in these countries that these countries depend on. Car manufacturing, steel manufacturing, um, precious metal mining and manufacturing. And so China has been buying these up with the money that they've gained from unfair trade practices. And they can go in and set up purely 100% independent Chinese companies and those Chinese companies be um, controlled by the Chinese government. And so essentially what you have is the Chinese government moving in through shell companies, buying large portions of um, companies that have economic influence. And vice versa is not possible. So me as a foreigner inside of China, if I want to buy a company, I cannot. If I want to start a company inside of China, I cannot. Many people say, well, I started a company in China. Of course you did. People have been doing it every day. So what do I mean by they cannot? What I mean is you can't do it by yourself. China has a rule that says the majority of the company, the shares of the company have to be owned by a Chinese. So let's say that you've developed a brand new product that does not exist anywhere else in the world and you want to sell it and produce it inside of China. Well, if it is a product that you want to have copyrights over and you have a secret formula on doing that production, good luck on selling it or making it inside of China and keeping that secret a secret when you don't even own the entire company. Here's the thing. Me as a foreigner, I have a, um, a, a, a book, right? We have this new device that we are now producing. It's a hologram Bible. But let's say that we want to start a company that has hologram books. Well, the technology that we are using doesn't exist. We are the first people to actually invent this technology for the purpose of reading a book. So let's say that I go into China and I start company A that produces hologram books. Well, I can't start it by my lonesome because that would be against the Chinese law. So I have to find a Chinese partner. The Chinese partner doesn't have to invest anything. All of the knowledge, all of the know-how, all of the intellectual property rights come from me. All of the investment comes from me. All, of, all that the Chinese person has to do is be Chinese. That's it. So they're coming in with no skin in the game. 
They partnered together with me to, to, and they would then own just because they are Chinese and I'm wanting to start this company inside of China. They would own a larger portion of the company than me, even though the idea came from me, even though the money, the capital, the investment is coming from me, even though the intellectual property rights are coming from me. All of that. I'm taking all the risk. I'm bringing in all the capital. I'm bringing in all of the investment. I'm bringing in all the know-how and the knowledge. The Chinese person that is my partner might be qualified. They may invest some things, but for the most part, they don't have to be anything more than someone who was just born in China. That's it. Have a Chinese passport can put their name on the, the bureaucratic paperwork. Now, after my partner understands my product, after they um, understand the secrets and the sauce of making my product, after I've put in all of the money into the testing, the tooling, the manufacturing, the setting up, then the Chinese partner can simply walk away with all of that investment, with all of that property intellectual information. They can simply walk away and start their own company and there's not a single thing I can do about it. Now, sure, I can try to take them through a WTO if I'm big enough of a company like General Motors had done and failed, like many other companies in uh, China have done and failed, been cheated in China, tried to go to the WTO courts, and even if they win, they lose. Because nobody's big enough to make China adhere to the rules. They play by their own rules. And then let's say that you find a good partner that owns the majority of the company that you started. Let's pretend that you live in that world because I have. I partnered with many good Chinese that basically they've owned 100% of the company, but I've done all the investment and bring in all the know-how. But we've done it obviously for um, um, the back to Jerusalem purposes. But let's say that you have hit the jackpot. You've got somebody you can trust. Well, you go and buy property to be able to do your manufacturing. You buy property to be able to set, at your, uh, set up your headquarters. You buy property for you to have your own home. Guess what? You don't own that property. You cannot own that property ever, ever. As a foreigner, you only have the right to use it for a certain number of years that you agree to when you sign the lease of that property. They call it a purchase, but it's actually the lease because after your lease is up, it goes back to the government. Now they call it, they say nobody can actually own property. It's all the people's property, but People is code for government. It's like the, the People's Democratic Republic of North Korea. It's, the people don't own jack squat. The government does. So at, you, cannot, you cannot own the property. Now let's say that your business is doing really good and you are making money hand over fist. It's coming in like a flood into your bank accounts. So now you want to take your money and go to the Cayman Islands and buy some property. Or you want to take your money and go back home to Canada and build a big mansion. Yeah, forget that. Because you cannot just willy-nilly take your own money out of the country. China restricts what you are allowed to take out. You, you see how there's a trade balance? 
And then when you manufacture your goods, now get this, you manufacture your goods. Let's say that you are making a hologram Bible. So when I send my Bibles now to America to be sold, I can sell them for pretty cheap because when they go through customs, there's not really going to be a tax on them. Now, let's say that my brother starts a similar company inside of America. My company shuts down because I got a crappy partner. And so now I decide that instead of starting another company and wasting all of my investment inside of China, I'm just going to join my partner who's manufacturing the same thing inside of America. Yeah, it costs a little more, but I've got a system that is a lot more stable and understandable legally. So I start selling him 